So, hello and welcome to another episode of Top Class with me, Duncan Crawford, where we're discussing teacher professionalism. What should the teaching profession look like in the future? What skills will teachers need to have? And what should happen to ensure that all students, not just some of them, receive high quality lessons? I'm joined by two expert guests who know a lot about high quality teaching. They both work in the field of teaching professionalisation. Professors Aileen Goodwin and Marco Schnuck. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. Now, to those who don't know you, Aileen Goodwin is a teacher education expert, scholar, professor and administrator who has worked in numerous higher education institutions, including as dean at the education faculty at the University of Hong Kong. You recently joined the Lynch School of Education and Human Development in Boston College in the US as the Thomas More Brennan Chair in Education. The role promotes social justice and connects education theory and practice. Uh, you've been in the role for... Well, almost a year now. Have you settled in? Hmm. Settling. I will say I'm still settling. <laughs> Good to know. Turning to Professor Marco Schnuck, uh, you're Professor of Teacher Development and School Innovation at Amsterdam's University of Applied Sciences. Uh, you've worked on numerous teacher training projects and were also a member of the European Commission's thematic working group on the professional development of teachers. Welcome again to you. Are you well settled? in your role? Yes, I'm quite settled in my role and have a few years to go before my retirement, but uh, enjoying all the time, yes. Uh, to kick things off, what do you think of the state of teaching at the moment? Uh, Professor Goodwin, maybe start with you. So I think it depends on the context um, that you're talking about. So I'll speak about the US um, in particular. And uh, teaching is a very challenging profession at the moment with teachers being managed under siege, being told um, exactly what to do or not to do, and teachers not being part of the conversations that they need to be um, in order to have more agency and more participation in the whole profession. Professor Marco Schnook, does that tally with what's happening in your part of the world? Professor Goodwin, they're describing teachers as being under siege. Well, I'm, I'm not sure what I can recognize the, the idea of under siege. I think the context in the Netherlands might be a bit different and that makes the answer the question quite difficult because it varies quite a lot across the world, of course. But what I do see is that there is a stronger recognition that we are aware of the importance of teachers in reaching uh, high outcomes for pupils. So the expectations toward teachers have been rising all over the years. And we expect them to deal with numerous issues, uh, challenges, uh, expectations. And for me, the question is to what extent teachers are able to fulfill all those requirements in the context they're in. And I think work pressure, I think isolation of teachers are issues which makes it quite difficult for teachers to meet all those different challenges. So in that sense, I think teachers are under pressure. I see you nodding, Professor Goodwin. Are teachers as a whole at the moment effectively preparing students for the world they'll face after leaving education or... Not really, in your opinion. So I think teachers are blamed for the state of things, whatever the state may be. But I don't think there's a sort of true appreciation for how hard teachers are actually working. And obviously there's a, the big continuum. 
but I believe that your average teacher is working, teachers put in far more hours than their contract. They're not paid for the work that they do outside the classroom, is not often counted as their workload. So the expectations are unrealistic and they should be shared by other agencies and they're not. So given what you've just described, what do you think needs to change in the future to improve teacher professionalization? There needs to be a redefinition of what teaching work is. You know, as long as we can think back, teaching has been defined as in front of the classroom, instructing students, period, delivering, you know, content knowledge, delivering the curriculum. But teaching work is also, there's all the work that goes around that curriculum delivery. So that's one. Um, There's all the preparation and thinking that goes into a high quality, engaging curriculum. But in addition to that, if we're thinking about teachers as professionals, professionals collaborate. Professionals solve problems together. Professionals create. Professionals have some autonomy to make decisions because they are trusted to be the experts who know what to do. Professionals should be engaged in inquiry, doing research uh, on issues of critical importance in their field. Professionals should be learning all the time, and teachers actually do, but they do that mostly on their own time. So there are lots and lots of things that can be done, and these conversations are not new. I'm not saying anything that is some brilliant new idea. We've been talking about it for a very long time. The question really is, is society willing, are politicians and policymakers willing uh, to provide the kind of trust and support that teachers need in order to be the professionals they all want to be, and we assume they are? So Marco, I suspect you agree with most of what was just said there, but in your opinion, what kind of teachers or teaching is needed for the future? I tend to turn that question around and to say, okay, what can teachers expect from their working environment to be able to fulfill all those uh, expectations? And I think Professor Goodwin mentions that the characteristics of of professionals, and and in my opinion, teachers don't act like those professionals. The the collaboration between teachers is very limited and their, their focus on their further professional development is not as taken for granted as it should be. But I think that's not the fault of teachers. That's not teachers to blame, but it's it's the way that the work of teachers is structured. And actually, I think that starts in the classroom structure, where in many countries, teachers are working on their own. And that creates a context where teachers are in constant isolation. And that hinders our understanding of teaching as a profession. For example, if you take a primary school teacher in the Netherlands, she starts at eight o'clock in the morning, goes on until three o'clock in the afternoon, that's seven hours without seeing a colleague, but being within that classroom within the, the, with their pupils. And I think that context really creates uh, or hinders that professional attitude of teachers. So if the support structures are not in place at the moment, what needs to change to create that platform for teachers to be able to develop more effectively professionally? Aileen Goodwin. Well, I'll build on what Marco says and agree wholeheartedly with the whole notion of restructuring the environment uh, to begin with, but also restructuring our mental models around what teaching constitutes, what that work entails. So time is a very precious commodity. 
teachers cannot collaborate if they are not allowed time to do so, if their preparation and their professional development does not support them learning how to be good collaborators. Um, there are lots of sort of professional communities that end up being mandated in schools, but they are quite often driven by external goals that have little to do with the learning of students um, in the classroom. If you think about also how scheduling is done so that teachers on the same grade level might have the same preparation period, but if you only have one prep period a day and you have to go and gather your materials, work with a student teacher, you know, finish up marking, etc., that time just gets withered away and it's not used for the kind of productive work that adults can do together. This notion of one adult in a pod with a group of children has been in place for centuries. So this idea of what should the future of teaching look like, it shouldn't look like that. So go on, tell us, how should it look? I think, first of all, the idea of more flexible spaces where groups can be brought together and, and then disbanded much more easily, where there's more interdisciplinary, it allows for more interdisciplinary and cross-age teaching. It allows for teachers to work together and team teach. Or, and team teach is not a good word. I'm going to use the word co-teach and co-plan. So they're thinking together um, about curriculum and instruction and the needs of kids. Where there are opportunities where the students are still in school, but they are engaged in independent activities or in group activities, which allow their classroom teachers to come together to share practices to do professional development amongst you know, one another with senior teachers guiding um, junior teachers, more mentoring, for instance. Um, all those things happen in Singapore schools, but you have to think about how time is used and studies have been done about the different ways in which uh, time is used to allow those kinds of professional practices. Teachers in Singapore schools teach on average, you know, sort of 19 hours a week. Teachers in the U.S. teach on average 27 hours a week. That's a big difference in terms of time. So, Marco, Lynn there mentioning the example of Singapore. I don't know how that tallies exactly with how learning works at the moment in schools in the Netherlands. But do you agree with a lot of the proposals she made there about things which should change? Yes, absolutely. And, and unfortunately, the, the, the context in the Netherlands is not uh, the same as in Singapore. Um, we just started the, the discussion in the Netherlands on how to rethink the time for teachers. And as Lynn mentioned, in it's like in the US where teachers have to teach quite a lot. So there's not much time to really collaborate on thinking about the things you're doing. What are new outcomes from research? How can you integrate these within your, within your lessons? And if there is some time, it's mostly teachers on their own. So I think we need to rethink our understanding of teaching as an individual profession to much more a collaborative profession, which supports and stimulates that collaborative working. So when there is a dedicated amount of time where teachers can sit together and work together collaboratively. So Mark, you've mentioned structure quite a few times in the system. Is that what's holding these kinds of changes back? Is it that policymakers themselves are not willing to change the structure? Well, I think my main point is that it's about a complex system uh, where all elements are connected. Um, so it's 
it might be on the level of policymakers in terms of, of recognizing the roles of teachers, but it's, uh, it's at the same time, it's creating time. So it's about what lesson plans are in place, but it's also about the professional identity of teachers themselves. So it's all those different levels. If the professional identity of teachers, for example, already in teacher education is stimulated as you're on your own in your classroom and we focus on your individual quality, then it's not helpful in creating collaborative cultures. Within the Netherlands, we have every teacher in secondary school is qualified to teach one subject. And when they are educated separately, there's not much connection between teachers from different subjects, not in teacher education, but also not in schools. So it's the whole system and on all those different levels that strengthen our understanding of the teaching profession as it is at the moment. So we need to see those connections at um, for different actors, for different parts in the system. And if we want to change that, we need to take to look at the whole. And I think that might be the reason, that, as, as Lynn said, that it's a topic that we've been discussing for quite some time. But every time we try to take one element, uh, but keep the rest in place. And as long as we do that, it will not change at all, I think. Given what you've both just described and the issues that teachers face, this is a time of rapidly changing societies, new technologies, AI, major developing challenges such as climate change. Where do you think the focus should be on professional teacher development? For example, should more resources go into training teachers in technologies or more into social and emotional skills or more into academic learning? Where do you think the focus should be? We continue, as Marco says, to prepare teachers in these silos, these content silos, in a world where knowledge barriers are evaporating, where new fields are being um, developed daily through the intersection of different knowledges. Um, the reality is that we are stuck sometimes in trying to convey sort of hallowed ideas when so much information is available to young people through the internet. What is not available to them is how to think about that knowledge, how to evaluate it, how to trust it, how to make decisions about it. Those are the things that we need to be thinking about. And so our teacher preparation should be similar. There is so much separation also between primary school preparation junior school preparation and high school, you know, preparation. Um, but students exist along a continuum. And a student in primary five is not the same as every other student in that primary five classroom. Some of them are well-developed intellectually, but not well-developed emotionally. Others are, you know, really good at interactions, but they need support in certain areas. So this idea that we can kind of slot people, subjects, teaching, learning into these little boxes, we need to get rid of that if we are truly thinking about a modern society that is fluid and integrated where barriers are dissolving. Marco, I want to get your reaction to what Lynn just said there, talking about getting rid of the boxes. Yeah, I, I really agree with uh, what Lynn says. Um, and, and I think your question about what should professional development focus on, I think that there's, there's for me, the difficulty in that one, because the implicit understanding is that there are some topics that we think are important and every teacher needs to know that. Uh, but again, it, it strengthens the 
idea of an individual teacher who's responsible for everything what's happening in his or her classroom. And then we might want to make sure that every teacher is prepared to do that. Uh, but if we understand teachers as uh, a team, collaborative working together, then the understanding could be that uh, we see teachers with a variety of expertise. So the topics you mentioned, I think they're all very important because they're crucial elements within society at the moment. But that doesn't mean that every teacher needs to focus on that because there still need to be teachers who focus on languages, on um, uh, mathematics. Um, so... It's not an either-or discussion. Marco, I'm intrigued to know, as you used to work with the European Commission to help the professional development of teachers, are there certain countries across the European Union which are doing better than others in this regard, where there is more collaboration? Well, I think for me, it's difficult to answer. And, and maybe because countries are quite diverse, but also within countries, there's a great diversity. I think in many countries, there are very exciting examples of schools who are doing uh, things which focus very much on getting teachers out of that isolation of creating collaborative cultures. But that's not system-wide mostly. So I think every country is struggling on how can we make this more comprehensive throughout the whole system. Lynn, I'd like to ask you something about your past, which in 2021, you contributed to an OECD working paper on teacher professionalism, where you said, we face a watershed moment. You wrote of an enduring struggle for the teaching profession that had made progress towards professionalization, only, I quote, to be pushed back once again to semi-professional status. Why did you say that? And is it still an issue? I think it's an enduring issue. Um, so teacher professionalism has definitely come a long way. But are teachers where they ought to be in terms of their professional status? No. And, and there are many, many factors that are involved. When I wrote that in 2021, there was a moment when the world was focused on teachers because of the the sort of amazing work they were doing, managing things during the pandemic. For the first time, many parents who were thrust into the role of sort of co-teacher or home teacher um, realized how challenging that work is. And it's not simply a matter of knowing something and then telling it to someone else. So this idea of teaching is easy was broken, you know, sort of exploded a little bit. But then the minute that moment passed and folks, those expectations that Marco was talking about, the teachers were supposed to be sort of heroes who put everything above themselves. So the fact that teachers had concerns about their own health or they had questions about whether or not it was time to open up schools, um, then they were seen as sort of resistant and not supportive. And suddenly they quickly became the villains of, of schools, that they are the ones sort of holding progress up. So it is just um, an example of how quickly, you know, sort of sentiment can change so that whatever um, ground that teaching as a profession might gain in terms of professionalism very quickly is taken away. We have thousands of examples of amazing things going on, of professional practices, innovation, teachers working together, schools, you know, running beautifully, administrators really, you know, creating uh, cultures of professionalism and innovation in their schools, but they are examples. 
the idea of scaling up and going system-wide is where we fall down. So this is the heart of the matter. Why are we falling down? Why are we not scaling up? Professor Marco Schnuck, give us the answer. <laughs> well, as I mentioned, it's, it's that complexity of the system. And, and I think what we need is to, to be much more aware of patterns that are uh, existing in educational systems, not only on the uh, national policy level, but also in, in the, on the school level. And I think if you are aware of these patterns, then it, it cre can create a starting point of where changes are needed and how they are related to each other. And for me, the starting point would be is to get rid of that isolation in the classroom structure. Because for me, that's the, the starting point for many of the problems we are facing. The isolation of teachers, the fact that we, see, uh, we, we expect teachers from the start of their career to be able to do everything that we expect from an experienced teacher. So there are no teacher careers. And I think we really need to be aware of, of how all these different elements connect. And then I think we can be able to make the necessary changes. So, Lynn, um, Marco there talking about the need to end isolation of teachers in the classroom. Let's say that happens. Are there any specific styles of teaching or methods of teaching which you think are going to be more prominent in the future? I think that when teachers are able to create learning environments that enable learners to explore, inquire, experiment, question, um, think critically, uh, work independently, work together. Um, that is the kind of teaching and learning that we need. Not in the future, we need it right now, actually. Where, you know, at the very beginning of this, of this you know, conversation, you talked about all the big problems that are facing the world. Um, those big problems need many, many hands and lots and lots of involvement. And what we're doing in schools is actually not preparing our young people to sort of engage with that problem solving um, in a collaborative and connected way. So, and I, I just want to reiterate what Marco said earlier um, about the expectations we have for teachers that on day one, you're expected to behave as well as someone who's been teaching for 10 years. You know, hairdressers, are not allowed to touch someone's hair on the first day on the job without mentoring, oversight, support from someone who's senior. Um, when I first started teaching a thousand years ago, I was a special ed teacher and I was supposed to take the, the position from someone else who was leaving. Um, she changed her plans and so we ended up co-teaching. And I remember when I started, I thought, well, this is really inconvenient because I had been taught that a real teacher as her own classroom. That was supposed to be my space. The three months that we spent together was so important and educative and supportive to me and allowed me to transition um, into the classroom. And as a special ed teacher, I was working with um, very, very challenging um, adolescents who were uh, diagnosed with you know, many, many you know, very serious behavioral and, you know, academic issues. Thank goodness for that overlap. That was only three months long, but I was not alone. I was able to learn from and observe. I had someone to support me and she was able to share so much of her experience with me. Why don't we do that as a matter of course? We assign 
new mentors to new teachers. But quite often those mentors are not given training. They're not given additional time. They're not compensated. And what they end up doing is just saying, do as we do or do as I do, as opposed to expanding, you know, the profession and expanding what is done, changing, you know, from the norm. I mean, Marco, it seems obvious from what Lynn is saying there, that this is you know, a basic, obvious thing which should be happening with much more support for new teachers who are expected to do the role exactly the same as more experienced teachers. And that can lead to huge stress, huge expectations. What do you want to see happen on the ground? Well, I, I, I fully agree with Lynn of the, the importance to support novice teachers. At the same time, I think it's not just three months. Um, um, if we're talking about induction programs, we often look at... at uh, it was just three months of, for me. <laughs> yes, yes, I understand. But we look at, at induction programs for a period of two or three years. But actually, my question is, but what after those three years? And actually, I think that attitude of working together, and I think Lynn already mentioned the importance of coaching, Teaching should be a standard in the school as a whole. I think that creates enormous challenges in terms of buildings, in terms of time and finances. So in the Netherlands, we see experiments where, where, where teachers, uh, where schools are looking. So what do we need to organize differently? Maybe we have to bring larger group together of pupils, so maybe even 50 in a classroom, but then having two or three teachers. But it also asks for uh, rethinking our, our buildings. But I also think it's it's important to look at the way we've structured the school organization. If we really want to stimulate development of teachers, we need to recognize that they can develop their expertise, not just for themselves, but for their colleagues. So then a team within the school can become much more varied, where teachers can support each other based on their expertise. And I think that requires an understanding of schools in terms of shared leadership, where the leadership is not for just for the school head, but actually distributed to the whole of the team. And that requires trust. And I think that's for me is a key element in trust. At the same time, the flip side of, tr of trust is responsibility. So it also asks from teachers to take collaborative responsibility for the quality of what's happening in school. Professor Goodwin, so what do classrooms of high-functioning teacher teams look like at the moment? What do those teachers do differently? Well, they're not alone, as Marco said, that they see themselves as part of a system and a team, that they take responsibility for students beyond just those in their own classroom, that they're not afraid to ask questions, that they are sharing ideas and talking with each other, um, and that every day there is time for teachers to talk about teaching. That's what teachers do all the time. And they talk about pupils, things they're doing, what's not working, things that worry them, questions that they have. I do also want to connect to Marco's point about induction, you know, referring to a teaching residency program that I started at Teachers College Columbia University in 2009, which is still continuing. And as part of the federal grant and mandate, that supports that program, and we've been through three grants now, two years of induction support was provided. And Marco's right, after those two years, um, and we our retention rates are, are very, very high in urban challenging schools in New York City or other large city systems. After those two years, teachers would come to us and say, wait, I'd like more, but I, I don't need induction support anymore. I need professional development. 
I need to continue to learn. And so we continue to work with graduates who now are in their 10th or 12th year of teaching. They've become mentors for us. They engage in research. They are involved in national board certification. They develop curriculum. They want to be engaged. So if teachers are given the right opportunities and the right supports, it's not every single person, but most teachers I know are really invested in developing and learning. OECD surveys suggest that employers and young people consider that many graduates are ill-prepared for the world of work after leaving education. How do you see teaching changing in the future to bridge that divide? Well, maybe one of the key issues in that is that uh, in many cases, schools are more or less closed organizations. And I think that's on the one hand, we, we, we're both calling for more collaborative work within schools of teacher teams. But at the same time, when a school is closed from the outside world, either from the world of work, of companies, organizations, where our pupils uh, eventually will come, then we'll, we, we create our own problem. So a school is not a silo within society. So one of the conditions is that schools open up to uh, the wider society. So I think the, the call we both have for strengthening the collaboration of teachers within a school team and within school organization uh, also uh, needs a more openness towards society, both in terms of our local communities and the challenges that our pupils uh, encounter, but also the future work that uh, our pupils and our students will, uh, will, will engage in. Yeah, the OECD has already warned that huge numbers of jobs, more than a quarter of jobs in OECD countries, rely on skills that could be easily automated by AI in the future. So how do you go about predicting what subjects, what focus teachers should have in classrooms to ensure that their students will have the skills they need that are going to be in demand in the future? I think the first thing we need to do is stop predicting. We cannot predict accurately. Uh, so we have to think about skills that are universal, that are enduring, uh, skills that, um, again, I, I don't like to use the term generic because it has certain connotations, but skills that can be uh, universally applied. So working well with others, thinking critically, making good decisions, evaluation and assessment, uh, all those kinds of things can be applied regardless of what's coming down the pathway. We cannot know what is happening tomorrow. I think if we went back and looked at 10 or 15 years ago, we could not have imagined the world that we're in right now. We couldn't. So how then can we prepare for the unknown? We prepare thinkers. We prepare people who are ready to identify problems and have solutions. We prepare folks who are ready to step up and participate. We prepare folks who know how to find information and use it. All those things would apply regardless of the future that comes. So given that Lynn has just made a very good case for why we should not predict the future, uh, Marco, in 10 years' time, what will be the main difference for a job advert for a teacher compared to today? Well, I hope <laughs> that it's different in terms of 
understanding teachers as a part of a team. So you're joining a team and a, a, a teacher ad is not about the number of hours uh, you're teaching. That's, that's one part, but also what unique contribution do we need within our team, which is not there and which we want you to provide to the team. So if teachers want to be part of the leadership culture within a school, they need to develop leadership qualities. And I think that development of leadership, teacher leadership qualities is a very important one, not in terms of becoming a formal leader in the hierarchy, but as developing your leadership skills as a teacher to try to support your colleagues in improving education. And Lynn, to push you on a prediction, look into your crystal ball for me. How is teaching going to change in a decade's time? For example, is AI going to lead to a revolution or not? Uh, I think about the, revo- the the multiple revolutions that technology has promised and has not changed schools at all. Um, starting with, you know, people being worried that televisions would re- replace teachers. Um, there's no doubt about the fact that technology already has and will continue to revise things. So it would be silly of me to say that it won't make a difference at all. But for it to make a difference that's fundamental, um, to change the nature of teaching and learning, we need to do some of the things that Marco and I have been talking about. Because ultimately, AI technology is about what human beings do and what human beings think. Well, I'll invite you both back in 10 years' time and we'll see if you're right or not. How about that? No. <laughs> that's fine. That sounds great. Thank you so much to both my guests today for joining me. It's been wonderful to speak to you. Professor Aileen Goodwin in the US and Professor Marco Schnook in the Netherlands. If you want to learn more about this topic, the OECD is doing work on this subject. Just go to the OECD website and check out the new professionalism and the future of teaching project. There's loads of other stuff on the website as well. Do check it out. Thanks again to my two guests and please do join us again for another episode of Top Class Soon. All the best. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you so much.